First Kings chapter one, Second Samuel chapter twelve. Uh, I'm I'm trying to bite off a lot this morning with the time that, that that's allotted. You say, well, you allot your own time. I know. I don't want to abuse your time. I want to keep everybody. Uh, I want to be able to keep everybody's attention. Amen. I pray that we have a mindset of asking the Lord what we can learn this morning, not from what Pastor Gunther had to say, but what we can draw from the Word of God. I'm going to take a little bit this morning, and bear with me, I'm going to try to tell a story, tell some history in the Bible, and it's really, really hard. I was sharing with Brother Tony yesterday. I got a message, but but there's so much story to, to get to the message. I just got to just touch on things and go. So there's so much depth here, um, so bear with me. I'm going to need, there's a lot of names given, but I hope we can focus on this and, and bear with a young preacher, man. First Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. I'm no uh, uh, English teacher, but I'm pretty sure that um, that's kind of like when, when you say, like, say somebody's naked, that means like they got no clothes on or something. But when you say they're naked, that means they got no clothes on. And that might be, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny here, but when it says he got no heat, I, he got no heat, amen. David was probably skin and bones at this point, essentially on his deathbed here. He was on his deathbed. Um, and, and this is a point in time, and, 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 and we all know this, this is a point in time when character comes to fruition. You say, well, they're on their deathbed. I'm talking about the family and the children and the siblings. So often, um, when it comes to dividing what's left behind, man, children just turn into demon-possessed people, basically. Just fighting instantly over at the thought of having that dresser. Man, I could get a couple of thousand here. I will cut your throat. I'll see you in court for four years. Just to get a little bit of something from mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. People get ugly real quick. It's like when you're sick. There's some depth of character that comes out. You know, some people are just the most selfish people when they're sick. We all tend to be unselfish. Some people are the worst. Amen. My grandma, she is currently, she's on her deathbed. She's going to be in the hospital for a few more days. They're going to send her home. There's nothing more they can do for her. And uh, we're expecting a funeral in the next few weeks. And um, I'm encouraged that my aunts and uncles, and there's eight of them, there's no fighting over nothing. It's, it's already done, and, and, and whatever's there is already divvied up. They already figured it out. It's all set. They all work together. They're around the clock right now. All eight of them that, that's within states are keeping grandma company. Around the clock. That don't happen often. Quite the opposite. People get ugly. I don't, they, don't, they don't care about seeing uh, their mom. That, 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 but, but what happens? They start lusting after the things that they could be getting soon. And then, then they're more concerned about what they're about to get as opposed to mom or dad that's dying in the deathbed. Not everybody has good character. And King David, at this time in history, at this time in his life, he had a son, and he was his eldest living son. He was heir to the throne unless the king says otherwise. This son had no character. His name 
is Adonijah. Brother Zollers, would you open this message in a word of prayer, brother? I'd be honored. I'd rather be in God's house with God's people. I got three points. And the third one's right at the end. I mean, right at the end, Brother Tony. Point number one, Adonijah and Absalom. Jump to 1 Kings 1, verse 5. 1 Kings 1, 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Turn to 2 Samuel 15. Man, I'm reading that. I'm thinking, man, that sounds really familiar. (laughs) Like, really familiar. Where have we heard that before? 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Jump to verse 6. And on this manner did Absalom... To all Israel that came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. We don't have time to even touch the story of Absalom and and, and how he was so wicked. He spent 40 years basically on a marketing campaign to slander his daddy so he could get the throne. He spent 40 years with 50 men before him with trumpets everywhere he walked, real pompous-like. And people would come to see the King David, and he would say, oh, let me, let me talk to you. Uh, he's too busy for anybody else. He's just too busy uh, being a king, you know, sleeping in and going to bed early because he's got it so easy. But, but I'll help you. In fact, if I were king, I'd go out of my way to help you all the time. Let me just march with my 50 men. So I'm reading this with Adonijah, and I'm remembering Solomon, thinking, wow, that's the same thing. I mean, the same thing, brother, the same spirit. We think that preacher's kids are just going to be so spiritual. Amen. Just like anybody else's kids. Amen. Adonijah was Absalom's younger brother. Adonijah would watch his older brother steal the hearts of the people by undermining the authority of the king for 40 years. Absalom was so wicked. He ran his father out of his own kingdom temporarily. committed sexual atrocities on the roof in front of all of Israel and, and God. Just, it's, it's, it's unfathomable. You, you say, well, what happened to Absalom? Well, he ended up losing his life as well as the temporary kingdom he stole, right? You say, well, why bring that up this morning? Because Adonijah, stay with me now. I got a lot of Old Testament words. You start saying Old Testament words, you start talking about uh, uh, an Amish family reunion, they all just kind of go together. Jedediah and Jebediah, and I mean, just like, it's hard to keep track. Bear with me this morning. Why bring all this up? Because Adonijah watched all that play out with Absalom. Yet he still desperately wanted what Absalom was going for. 
Adonijah was following the footsteps of his older brother Absalom. And my, we see that today, don't we? In all families, all over the place. Older sibling goes out on the way. He might even be raised in church. Might even be a preacher's kid. I don't even want to know the statistics of that. I don't even want to know. It's probably high. Grow up maybe in a great home, whatever. But the older sibling goes out in the world, ruins their life, ruins their testimony, comes back to live with mom and dad. This happens all the time. The children see what the older sibling did, think, man, that's horrible, but I want exactly what they did, but I'll do it differently. They had that same spirit of rebellion. Adonijah had the same spirit of rebellion that Absalom had. Why? Why? Why would he want what Absalom had? Because it's always the same thing. It's a heart issue. It's a sin issue. Every single time. Number one, you have Adonijah and Absalom. Number two, we have Adonijah and Solomon. Turn to 2 Samuel 12, 24. 2 Samuel 12, 24. Keep your place in 1 Kings. We'll be back there. But 2 Samuel 12, 24. Bear with me. I'm using a bunch of Old Testament names now. They're important. Number one, we have Adonijah and Absalom. And all of the messages we can preach on that alone. Point number two, Adonijah and Solomon. On a side note, Solomon would later pen the words, there's no new, new thing under the sun. Just a thought. Just a thought. I bet you as he's penning those words, he had a couple older brothers on his mind. Think about that for a while. 2 Samuel 12, 24. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her. And she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon. But look at the next words. And the Lord loved him. The word Solomon is derived from a Hebrew word uh, from shalom, which means peace. Some would say that Solomon was born after David's fighting and bloodshed was over and it was a time of peace in his life and, and that may be true and fine and dandy and all. But look at, look at the next verse, 25. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Why did the prophet Nathan call Solomon Jedidiah? Well, the answer is because of the Lord. It's, it's right there. So why would a prophet do something because of the Lord? Because the Lord told them to. I know I'm being simplistic, but let's draw that out. God told, God told Nathan the prophet to go tell uh, 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 David to, to, name, uh, to, to call Solomon Jedediah. Called Solomon Jedediah. Jedediah means beloved of the, of the Lord. Beloved of the Lord. And in, and in doing so, God is calling out Solomon saying, he's unique, he's special, he's going to serve me in a great way. And you might say, well, God was, God was prepared, well, God set him up right from the beginning. If God would have done that in my life, look, God knows what you're going to do in your life. That's why he didn't call you Jedediah or me Jedediah. God knew ahead the character and the wisdom and the 
fervency that Simon was going to have, and God loved him when he was born, and said, man, he's going to be something great. We'll call him Jedediah. It's not God's fault for not naming us something special, that we don't have any more fervency than we do, no matter at what level we are or what level we think we are at. Back to our text in 1 Kings. Hang with me. Hang with me. We've got a lot of big words. 1 Kings 1, 7. And he conferred with Joab, the sons of uh, Zeruiah, and with uh, Abiathar, the priest, and uh, they, following Adonijah, helped him. Helped him what? Try to sneakily take control of the kingdom. That's what Adonijah is trying to do. He's trying to take control of the kingdom, just like his brother, uh, um, um, uh, I can't get Solomon out of my head. Absalom. You got to bear with me because I got to bear with me. Amen. Amen. So, who is Joab and Abiathar? And why did Adonijah pick them specifically to help him? Why? Why, why, why? We got to think about these things as we're reading. Because we want to not just read, we want to study and know what we're reading. God's trying to tell us something. Well, Joab won. He's the nephew of the king. Nephew of King David. And Joab served for almost 40 years, but Joab is scorned. See, Joab, uh, earlier in his life, he had killed a couple of men. David rebuked him. In fact, David cursed him. So Joab's bitter at David. He don't like David. Served him, but he don't like him. On top of that, uh, David used Joab to send a message, hey, um, um, Bathsheba's husband, um, send him to the front lines to be murdered. He needs to go away right now. Joab was a messenger for that. Think about this. Think about this, because this is what we do. This is what we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, and that's what, not wise. Joab's going, I murdered a couple of people, and just because he doesn't agree with me, I get cursed now. And he gets to murder people, and God blesses them. He's bitter at King David. All the while, missing completely that, yeah, David was wrong. But David got his heart right. People that stay in bitterness, they don't want to get their heart right. They want to stay bitter and stay bitter and stay bitter. But man, God say, the grace that God gave to King David, he would have given to Joab if Joab would have accepted it. Amen. I can't get stuck here. I got to keep going on. Uriah got the bum end of that deal. But then you have uh, Abiathar. This is simply a moment of opportunity. If Adonijah becomes king, then, then, then he's thinking, I'm going to have power, but if I don't help him, he'll kill me. So Abiathar is literally just, just, just probably thinking of his own life. And these are the main men that Adonijah chose to stand by him and lift him up. Can I just say, many a lot wiser than me in this room. 100%. I know that. i got to live with that. It's a hard card to be dealt. But you can tell a lot about somebody by the people that they hang around. A lot. You say don't judge a book by its cover. What you wear is your advertisement for what you want people to think of you. And so is the people that you're hanging around. Oh, my mind, I could go five different places. Amen. 
Back to our text, 1 Kings 1.8. But Zadok the priest, here we go now, but Zadok the priest and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimei and Ray and the mighty men which belonged to David, this is the key point right here, were not with Adonijah. You say, what does that mean? Adonijah avoided all those who were enacting authority. He avoided every one of them. Didn't even consult them. Didn't talk to them. He wants to make himself king without even talking to the current king or those who were in authority at the time. But what's he do? He gets people. Uh, Jim Vipon, um, he's bitter. He hates the pastor. I'm going to be friends with him. Uh, Jimmy, um, you, he knows that I'll kill him if he doesn't come in with me. So I'm going to get these guys. We're going to get a big party together. We're going to make a sacrament. We're going to kill the a fatted calf. We're going to do all these things. We're going to make this ceremony, but we're not going to talk to the actual king. We're just going to do this amongst ourselves because the people know that I'm, I'm the half-brother, basically oldest in line, right? If, 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 if King David's on his deathbed and he doesn't call out Solomon and I make this big thing and, and make all the people think that I'm king, well then, then they'll just have to let me be king. Right? He's pushing his way in there. Remember, he's got 50 people running before him, blowing trumpets. I mean, he looks like somebody to the people. He avoided the act of authority. And, 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 he, and he surrounded himself with people that were looking out for themselves or that were scorned and bitter towards the authority. Birds of a feather, they flock together, not a man today. I shouldn't go that far in the song, but okay. Birds of a feather flock together. Right, we know that saying. Bitter people are going to find other bitter people. They just magnets. Personalities are magnets. You got a happy person, you're going to be, you're going to find that, man, you're just going to be like clicking with them, man. We're going to talk about happy things. Some people, you walk into a room, they're just going to, man, there's people at work. You avoid them at all costs. They'll bring you down in about 12 seconds if you listen to them. But those people are drawn towards each other. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 9, 1 Kings 1, 9. And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zaholath, uh, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren and king's sons and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet and Benaniah and the mighty men and Solomon his brother, he called not. That's a lot of names, but we don't have to remember them. All we need to know is Adonijah didn't invite any acting authority. He only invited his crowd, his little clique that he wanted. Real politically. He, Adonijah could have been Republican or Democrat. He'd have fit right in, amen. But here he is, Adonijah, he's all in without consulting the acting king or the acting authority. And he's going to try to steal the hearts of the people just like he saw his brother Absalom do. Cause, you know what? Because it works. He saw that it was done. It didn't end well for Absalom. Amen. But right about this time, Nathan, the acting prophet, he gets wind of what's happening. He gets wind of this feast that Adonijah's thrown on and he's essentially making himself king and doing this thing without the proper authority. And the acting prophet, Nathan, he gets wind of this and he goes directly to Bathsheba and King David. 
They talk about what's happening and they remind David of the promise of God concerning Solomon. You say, what was the promise of God concerning Solomon? Turn to 1 Chronicles 28.5. 1 Chronicles 28.5. Amen. Sometimes verses in Scripture are hard to read and names are hard to understand and hard to remember. But did we come here this morning just to get our ears tickled or did we come to see and study what the Word of God has to say and want to see what God has to offer us? We're here to study. Sometimes we've got to get through some big words. Just because we're dumbed down as a people than they were doesn't make it their fault. Amen. Amen. That wasn't a joke, but it kind of was. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So David, in front of everybody, prior to his deathbed, he makes his proclamation about Solomon. First Chronicles 28.5. This is David speaking. He says, And all of my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he had chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son... He shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. So back on his deathbed, Solomon in his last breath, essentially, uh, 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 last uh, uh, days probably to live, he's on his deathbed. One of the last things he says is, he confirms Solomon as his successor to Nathan the prophet in Bathsheba. And he commands that Solomon be put on the king's mule and ride through the town with the trumpets blowing, uh, anointed as king in the sight of all the people, letting all of Israel know, hey, Solomon is the king. Whatever you see over here, that's not the proper authority. Solomon's the king. And it's right about this time. You guys just got to read it for yourself because I'm really skimming through this to get to the last point. I'm really skimming through Uh Right about this time, Adonijah, he's finishing his fake inauguration dinner. And he hears a trumpet blowing in the announcement of Solomon as king. Look at this, 1 Kings one forty one. let's read it. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard, heard it as they had made an end of eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the city being in an uproar? And while he had spake, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, came, and Ananias said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and bring us good tidings. And Jonathan answered and said to Ananias, look at this, Verily our Lord, King David, hath made Solomon king. That is not what Ananias wanted to hear. In fact, the spokesman went on to say, and tell about the announcement of the king, and say what King David did for Solomon, how he anointed him, he's going uh, through the town, he's blowing a trumpet. Then he says this in verse 46, I mean just really the, the knife and the dagger and twist, he says, oh and also Solomon sitteth on the throne of the kingdom. I cannot imagine the heart of Adonijah at this point. When you get a uh, uh, um, new president, right, that cabinet goes, you bring in your own cabinet, Right? Companies do the same thing. It's the way things go. New HR group comes in. They jump around all the time. In a kingdom, particularly in those days, you get a new kingdom in, if there's anybody that threatens your throne, all dead or in prison. Like that. 
Adonijah's heart sinking right about now. And everybody that was eating that feast with them, while they still got stuff probably in their mouth, chewing, amen. And he went on to tell them about the announcement of the new king, Luke uh, uh, 49. It says, And all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. Man, you hang with the wrong crowd. They're not your friends. I've got 500 Facebook followers. I have a ministry on Facebook. They're not your friends. They're just, they're just there to, to, just to poke a debate with you for something one day. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went. And this is, hang with me, because this is the whole message right here. And caught hold on the horns of the altar. You know what that means? That means that Adonijah has some explaining to do. My dad would say Adonijah knew that his jig was up. Adonijah, he, he goes and he, he finds himself running into the temple, which is a place of safety really for everyone. But especially the altar, and especially the horns of the altar. The place where God himself did so many wonderful things for the, his people of Israel. Adonijah is scared for his life and he's pleading for safety. Holding with a firm grip on the horns of the altar inside the temple, just praying that God's not going to kill him instantly, and that, that, that God will protect him from Solomon. Because you know what people do? Oh, I, gotta, I can't. You know what people do? Uh, um, human Psychology 101, uh, Social 101, whatever. People judge people by themselves. If you're a jerk, you're going to judge every, you're going to assume everyone else is a jerk in everything that they do. You're selfish, you're going to assume everyone else is... You're bitter, you're just going to assume everyone... you got a mouth, you're going to gossip about everybody, you're going to assume that everyone else gossips about you. That's people one-on-one. If you don't get that, you'll never be able to be a foreman. <laughs> That's just what it is. Adonijah probably would have had Solomon killed because he threatened him. I mean, I'd bet all around the money on it. Probably would have had Solomon killed. Knowing that, he's thinking, he's going to kill me. Solomon's going to have me killed instantly. So Adonijah, for fear, runs to the horns of the altar. Amen. Which is really what, isn't that what our children do? Run to mom and dad when they're just scared. I mean, they had a bad dream. They, whatever. Go to, go to wherever the safety is. Uh, I remember... Um, uh, uh, Carrie had an issue with, with, with one and uh, uh, that one was scared because of things that were happening and what he do? He'd come out hanging out with his mama all day long. Wherever she was, I'm going to be with my mama all day because that's what we do. We just want to, wherever we can go for safety, that's where we want to go. The place of safety was the temple. The place of safety was the altar. The place of safety was the horns of the altar grabbing onto that thing. Amen. Now the rubber's meeting the road for Elijah's, or Adonijah's sin. Number one, Adonijah and Absalom. Number two, Adonijah and Solomon. And number three, and this is right at the end, bear with me. This is the most important part of the message. Adonijah and Yahweh. You say Yahweh? Yeah. Adonijah, knowing that he's a wicked sinner, he's waited until sin has caught up with him. We know Numbers 32-23 says, and be sure your sin will find you out. It's done found him out. 
He was also parading it through the town with 50 men and trumpets, amen, in a pompous manner. But he knew that he was wrong, yet he pursued the, the, the spirit of his uh, wicked brother Absalom before him. Which is what, pet center pride? Knowing, knowing that God has something else in mind for him, Adonijah, because he knew that he wasn't supposed to be king. You realize when Adon, in, 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 if we had time to read it, when David made that uh, announcement saying that Solomon was going to be king at whatever point, it was, it was probably not far from his deathbed, but whatever point David made that announcement, read it, there's like two verses where David called everybody this and everybody, he called everybody to make that announcement. Do you think Adonijah was sitting in there watching Netflix and didn't go to the big town hall meeting? Adonijah was there. And he knew that God wanted Solomon to be king. And he knew that his dad, King David, was going to say, hey, Solomon's going to be king. That's why he still pursued and he had to make this all in secret to try to uh, 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 thwart what God was doing. God works through authority all the time, by the way. All the time. Any Bible story, God works through authority every time. How many times do you think in the spirit of Adonijah how many times do you think that through the spirit of Adonijah we find ourselves at an altar looking for the safety of an almighty God to protect us from whatever stupid thing that we did because I'm not void of that How many times with the spirit of Adonijah do we find ourselves at an altar realizing that we were seeking out wickedness over and over and over again knowing that we're in the wrong? How many times? How many times do you knowing the judgments of God have seen others fall through the same trap of sin the same spirit of Adonijah that you're going through, yet you find yourselves in the same exact boat on an altar saying once again, Lord, I'm wrong. I messed up again. My spirit was wrong. There is never a time that when you get caught, you would always say, man, I wish I'd never done that. That's what we do. But the fact is, if we would never had an authority to discipline us, we would have just kept going as long as we could have gone. Thank God for authority. Thank God for a mom and dad that to keep their children in line. Thank God for a Heavenly Father that we can look to for direction and, and to stop us before we go too far. Adonijah ended up losing his life because he didn't change his heart's algorithm of his sin behavior. If there's one thing I wish we could get across to our young people, to our all the people, amen, we do the same cycle of sin, same cycle of sin, and wonder why God's not blessing us. Lord, I asked for forgiveness. I know I asked for forgiveness yesterday, doing the same sin today. Bless me. That's what we do. The same cycle over and over. Romans one thirty two. who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. The principle is the same. It, it, it applies that Nigel was eventually put to death because he never got a hold of the truth written in the Word of God. 
fact, anybody's in danger of death. If you don't grasp hold of the truth that's written in the Word of God. Revelation 21 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hey, if you're born twice, you only die once. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. You don't want that second death. Coming to an altar, man, that's a great place to call on Christ. Man, the Savior of all of our sins, past, present, future. A past, present, future with all of mankind. He's the Savior of our sins. I thank God that we have an altar that we can come to. Turn to Jeremiah 33 and we'll close with this. But there's some Christians that's already saved. Yet they still find themselves coming to a place of an altar looking for God to save them. And I'm not saying they shouldn't come to an altar looking for direction. Amen. But wouldn't it be great if we came to an altar and instead of every time we come to an altar, it's not the same spirit of Adonijah where we're saying, Lord, Lord, I'm grabbing the horns of the altar. I'm coming. To, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was found out in my wickedness. Please don't have me killed. Please don't take my wife away. Please don't take my family away. Please, Lord, give me that job. Please uh, help me be healthy. I don't want to be sick. Wouldn't it be great if we quit coming to the altar with that same spirit of Adonijah over and over again? The same spirit of I'm here because I'm caught. But wouldn't it be far better? Far better. We could come to an altar and just grab on that altar, not with the spirit of Adonijah, but the spirit of Solomon, and say, Lord, dear God, I'm nothing without you, and I just want to come to this altar to praise your name. I've been wickedness in my apathy. I've, I've, been, I've been sinful in my pride. Lord, I've not been all in with you. I've not been plugged in, Lord. I just want to come to this altar and thank you for what you've done in my life. Lord, I want to come to this altar and thank you for my job. Lord, in this time when things are unsure and who knows what the future holds, thank you, God, for my job. Thank you for my house. Lord, I just want to come to this altar again and thank you for my wife and how wonderful she is. Help me, Lord, to not take her for granted. I just want to come to this altar and say, Lord, thank you for the children that I have. You've been so good to me. How about, how about coming to an altar saying, Lord, thank you for my, for my church? Lord, thank you for giving me a group of people that I can serve. Help me to not take that for granted. And then not be one time. Hey, how about the next time you come to an altar? Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my church. I just want to serve you and not have a spirit of Adonijah every time we come to an altar of prayer, but a spirit of, hey, I want to serve God with fervency. God will do something in our lives. Spread revival in our communities. We, we say, oh, we want revival, but yet we want somebody else to do it. We want somebody else to spend some time in prayer. We want somebody else to study the Word of God. We want somebody else to go pressure wash the ramp. Somebody else can do it. Jeremiah 33, we'll close with this verse. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. 
That's the problem. We think we got it all figured out. We're comfortable in our American lives. And man, we're comfortable because God's blessed us. But because of our comfort, our fervency is choked out. And our seed can't grow nowhere because we're good to go. And we have no idea what God can do in our lives because of our apathy. Because we can't get out of the circle of the spirit of Adonijah coming to an altar because of our sins, because of getting caught. Opposed to man grabbing the horns of an altar and say, God, let's move. Isaiah, here am I, Lord, send me. Prayer meeting time. I'm going to show up at prayer meeting time. I want to pray for the service with the men. I want to spend time in prayer every morning before I go to work so God will move. He'll know that I'm serious. Let's pray as the piano player comes. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, help us to learn from it. Help me as a pastor.